Greetings and welcome to Fresh Text. I'm your host, John Drury, here with my co-host, Aaron Perry. Here I am. And we're here to have a conversation with each other and with you about uh, the biblical texts uh, set aside by the Revised Common Lectionary for this upcoming Sunday. So we hope that this will make the text fresh for you and will be uh, also a fresh experience for us because we do not even know what the passage is assigned for this particular Sunday. So I'm opening up the uh, um, lectionary website that I use um, for January 13th. So this will post a week ahead of that, but uh, for January 13th, 2019. And it's the first Sunday after Epiphany. And the text is the Gospel according to St. Luke, chapter 3. Uh, verse 15 through 17 and 21 through 22. So chapter 3, 15 through 22 with a little skipped bit in the middle there. So the pages you hear flippity-flopping are Aaron and I turning to the text, proving it's it, freshness. It's authentic. That? Yeah, it's authentic. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So 315, do you mind reading again? Uh, sure, 315 to 22. Yeah, there okay. says to skip 18, but let's just, let's not skip it. Let's ignore that. All right. Yeah, should go straight through. The people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Christ. John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one more powerful than I will come, the thongs of whose sandals I am unworthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And with many other words, John exhorted the people and preached the good news to them. But when John rebuked Herod the Tetrarch because of Herodias, his brother's wife, and all the other evil things he had done, Herod added this to them all. He locked John up in prison. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. The Word of God. Thanks be to God. All right, well, here we are. It's uh, the Epiphany season in the old, uh, the old Christian calendar. So this is week two of Epiphany, or the first Sunday after Epiphany. And if Epiphany, January 6th, is the traditional day for celebrating uh, the coming of the wise men, um, the uh, the following Sundays are often set aside for celebrating other things that are associated historically with Epiphany, one of which includes the baptism of Jesus. So it's fitting that we would be reading a baptism of Jesus story um, and it's year C, I believe, on the lectionary. So you may have heard us say this before. Some of you already know this, but if you don't, we'll throw in these little tidbits from time to time. The, the lectionary is built around a three-year cycle. Um, and there are texts from Old Testament, from the Psalms, uh, a epistle, and a gospel reading. And the, the baseline structure is built around the three synoptic gospels. So year A mostly readings from Matthew with other um, additions, uh, year B, Mark, year C, 
Luke. And then, hey, you're wondering where John is? Oh, well, John is sprinkled through all years A through C. So John always gets action all three years. So um, I said all that to say that since the baptism story uh, occurs in uh, all three of the Synoptic Gospels, and we're in year C, it's fitting that on baptism of our Lord Sunday, uh, we would have the story from Luke. So that's a little that's a little uh, nerd facts so that Aaron could collect his thoughts. Uh, <laughs> so Aaron, what jumps out at you? Just looking at the, if you were cracking this open, doing a little study, thinking maybe you were preaching this coming Sunday. What, what are some things that first just jump out at you? Uh, very first sentence. The people were waiting expectantly. They were waiting expectantly. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking about earlier in... Uh, the the Gospel of Luke, when Jesus appears to the um, when Jesus is brought to the temple, I think there's that's a, a word that's been used before as well. They were they were mm-hmm. waiting, mm-hmm. and so the sense of of uh, expectant waiting, I think, is one that's jumping out to me as uh, I read this for the first time. Yeah, yeah, Luke chapter two. Uh, verse 38, t- telling the story of Anna, says, um, And she that very hour came upon them and was praising God and speaking about Jesus um, to all those who were waiting, expecting mm. uh, the redemption of Israel. Prosdeco menois, exact same verb here, which is prosdeco. Yeah, prostoko. So yeah. And uh, how about verse twenty-five, two twenty-five? Is that the same one that's used of Simeon? Let's find out. And behold, a man was in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was just and pious, maybe something. Yeah, uh, yeah there it is. Prosdecomenos, Paraclesen to. Israel. So he was expectantly waiting the consolation of Israel. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, consolation of Israel and the redemption of Israel then kind of parallel there, but the same verb. And the spirit was upon him. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, so I think maybe there's uh, – that's jumping out to me, this this expectant waiting. It was Simeon and Anna. Now it's it's the people uh, that are are waiting expectantly. Yeah. Yeah, and it is the people, verse 15. You know, it's not the crowd. We see that a lot, which would just mean simply that the people gathered there were excited about John, you know. But yeah. this is kind of implying, you know, the people, you know, the the people of Israel, in a sense, are expecting and dialoguing all of them, wondering, exploring in their hearts. Oh, it says they're dialoguing in their hearts regarding John. That perhaps he would be the Christ, right? So there's this kind of, you know, this wondering, exploring, could it be, hoping. Uh, And also thinking here of, we just read as well, the Holy Spirit comes upon Jesus in bodily form like a dove. Mm. The Holy Spirit was upon Simeon. And uh, interesting that the sacrifice that, that Joseph and Mary bring is a pair of doves. (laughs) <laughs> oh man, I never noticed inter- that. Well, I hadn't either. Right? There's an interesting thing. Like, like you have doves and Holy Spirit early on in the temple, put close together. Now you've got the Holy Spirit coming on Jesus like a dove uh, in this in this baptism story, and kind of maybe tied together with this expectant waiting, this sense of expectation as well. Right, and that he in turn will baptize with Holy Spirit. 
and fire. Mm. I'm just baptizing with water. One who is coming, whose shoe I'm unfit to untie, and he will baptize with the Holy Spirit and with mm. fire. And then that very Holy Spirit, he himself kind of gets, as it were, baptized with, as he's baptized mm-hmm. um, with water by John. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, and the spirit language is just, you know, exploding in the book of Luke. You know, Luke uh, has more spirit talk than any of the other gospels, right? Where the spirit's the one yeah. leading Simeon into the room. The, the spirit uh, is, you know... Upon Zechariah, when he prophesies, right, the spirit is the one who uh, uh, brings the child uh, into being in Mary's womb, right? So spirit, 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 just constant, just constant. And it's in all those poems that the spirit of the Lord will be on them. And so, yeah, this spirit emphasis is not to, I, I, I mean, I'm. Jury's still out on whether the doves are to be remarked upon. No, but, yeah, but it's still it's still interesting. It's still <laughs> yeah, interesting. Yeah, sure, uh, but I, no question that that this spirit language is is very powerful. But yeah, no, you do kind of wonder, like, yeah, why why a dove? That has always bothered me. I'll never forget when I was in uh, when I was in school younger, and I had a friend who used to say. We were talking about the Holy Spirit and said, well, no wonder that we forget to talk about the Holy Spirit because, you know, how do we, how do we picture it? Old man, a young man and a bird. <laughs> it's kind of like one of, these, one of these doesn't fit the other, you know, it's kind of, we have this kind of clear sense of this kind of sense of a father and son relationship. And then this bird in the middle and you're kind of like, what do you do with that? And I have always kind of like, I, I, I have not heard yet a satisfactory, uh, um, sort of interpretation of the the bird imagery hmm. in the in the baptism scene and that's not like saying now it's your job Aaron to give me a set because being satisfied is not the point in exegesis <laughs> so, uh, it's okay that there's 17 different possibilities but I do wonder what what do you tend to think of when you think of this bird the 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 not bird but dove specifically like what's uh what's going on there why is that what's happening there why is that important? I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I don't. Either. I mean, aside from there's there's mentioning of this of the purification offering. Yeah, you know, certainly the spirit is the one who the spirit does purify, mm-hmm. and there's you know, the this baptism with fire is a purification. Uh, is a, I mean, fire is a, is a is what purifies us, right? It purifies um, different elements. Yeah, so, water, fire, dove. Huh. Oh, man. It's blowing my mind. Maybe there's more here. Especially because when you sacrifice something, you're lifting it up to God, right? And here, so the dove went up. Yes. I know I'm being a little silly here, but that... maybe not. And now the dove comes down. Yeah. yeah. Right? Not that it's like, I mean, it says it's the spirit like a dove. So it's not like literally like, you know, God accepted the sacrifice of the dove when he was a kid and like put it away in a little, you know, mansion and like... <laughs> Got it and send it back down. But I mean, there is, it's hard to miss once you see it and Mm -hmm. point it out like you did today. It's like, it's hard for me not to, I mean, I know I have a, I always grew up hearing this and and I still do it myself sometimes where like you see a image or a term and you go, oh, well in that culture or, oh, well in the old Testament, da, da, da. Right. And you look for sort of clues and maybe that baggage comes with it. 
Um, but then when you just kind of look at the text, you say, well, where else did the text do? That's what the rabbis would do all the time. When you ever, I don't know if you ever gotten the opportunity to just like overhear the way that, or even, you know, uh, read things about the way that like Jewish rabbis argue about the scriptures. And it's often like this, the approach is often, well, where else does the text use that word? Mm -hmm. You know, and if it's not, if it's not in the text, it's not relevant to the discussion. It's kind of like. So it's sort of like, oh, if the word appeared a chapter earlier, then that's our most important clue. You know, so you're being a good good Jewish rabbi today. <laughs> you're kind of like, well, they sacrificed a dove. That's what happened on the page before. So maybe that's our, our best clue, you know? Yeah, and, and wondering, I mean, you have to, you have to take it as uh, – most people would have heard this, right? They wouldn't have read it. They would have heard it. Right. And so – uh, what what would draw their ear to certain words, and what would stick in their mind, so that when they heard it a second mm. time, it, it it would jog them back? And this is, I mean, when I see these things in in close proximity of uh, the dove, the Holy Spirit, expectant waiting, and um, dove, expectant waiting, the, it, right? Yeah. There, there's there's several things that are linked together, and of course, this is the words of Jesus or the words of the Father to Jesus. You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. I mean, this all this is centering son, around, yeah. right? All this is cent- all the previous chapter is centering around this presentation of Jesus at the temple, right? The son by these by these parents, and so there's there's four elements that are possibly there. I mean, I have to think and read and go and see if anybody else found it. Ben Witherington, one of my New Testament professors, had this critique of another. Uh, author who shall remain unnamed. Okay, but uh, he he said the the problem with so and so is they have insights that no one else has ever had. <laughs> <laughs> and so if I'm having insights that no one else has ever had, then it could tend to be a little bit suspicious. But there's I don't know there's four things that, are, that seem to be kind of bound up together and maybe maybe have some mutual illumination. Yeah, I mean this is definitely an instance where uh, yeah, I mean. If you compare Luke with Mark and Matthew, and if his way of telling it is a little bit different, and if the very things that are different uh, correspond with themes you see in other parts of Luke's gospel, mm-hmm. like that becomes that's that's a a way of kind of confirming an yeah. insight. Yeah. And I'm sharing that. I mean, I know you know that, uh, but it's easy to forget. Like, and and also for our listeners, like that. You know, that's, that's a thing you can do is you go see, okay, how does, how does Mark tell the story? How does Matthew tell the story? Not to emphasize the differences, but to notice as a way of confirming your own hunches. I try not to do the comparison thing too quick. I try to just let the text stand as it is because it's not like when people were hearing this, when people wrote it, when people were first hearing it, that they were like, oh, well, Mark puts it this way. You know what I mean? Like yeah, you yeah. just hear it. And so you let it stand. But but it's definitely a way to confirm an insight because, I mean, if, if Luke like quite literally changes the language, then like you have every reason to believe that he is inserting a theme, mm-hmm. trying to draw our attention to something. Yeah. Um, I mean that the, the, the people were all expecting and wondering in their hearts. That's, that's not in Matthew and Mark. I don't even have to go look it up. I, I, I probably should before making an assertion <laughs> on the record, but I know Luke, I know it's not in Mark. I just, I just know the Mark baptism scene well enough to know that sticks out like a sore thumb to me. Um, Matthew's what three? Uh, it's it's yeah. not there either. Yeah, I mean, you get the vibe that they're they're uh, they think he's the Christ. That one shows up in all of them, and he denies it. But um, 
But that language is very distinctive. That yeah. sticks out really strongly. This kind of narrator language of like this expectation. Um, How about for you? What's the, what stands out to you on your first hearing? Oh. I read it. You you were listening. What stood out to you on your first hearing? Oh yeah, that's good. Well, I'll say right away. I immediately was like, well, I can see why the lectionary compilers cut the three verses out about Herod killing John, because it is a little confusing mm. um, because it's like, Oh, he's in prison. And then he baptizes John Jesus. But obviously mm. it's, it's just a, but then what was funny is I was thinking that I was, I was looking, but as I was listening, it wasn't confusing at all mm. because you know, when you tell stories, you often like go yeah. off and be like, now remember, this is the guy that later right. blah, 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 blah. And you tell something out of order. It's a very natural way to tell a story. Um, especially if you want the, the crescendo of the story to happen at the end, yeah. you know, like, um, it's a little bit of a, you know, uh, it's a little bit of a letdown to right after, you know, Jesus gets baptized be like, Oh, and then Herod put him in prison, which is how Mark does it. And that's fine. But it's it, like the, for some reason he really wants to kind of land on that. Right. Yep. And he wants to just, uh, you know, mention this part of John's, uh, uniqueness uh was his willingness to you know as it were uh speak truth to power right and call out herod um uh, for his uh for his uh sinfulness and to not kind of hide that away um and you know that's all kind of a picture of the of who who john is you know then culminating in this moment of the baptism of jesus but it is a little bit awkward to kind of like you know like People are all excited, and then you kind of do this for this kind of flash forward. I guess it is right, not a flashback, but a little flash forward, and then and then kind of zooming back into the baptism scene. That that was one of the immediate things that jumped out at me was just that kind of somewhat strange way of kind of putting the the sequence together. And I don't know if there's anything like sort of important about that, other than just my kind of being sort of uh, finding that strange. Yeah, the the statement in verse 22 is just so powerful to me. It always, always is to just hear. And it's, you know, it's the exact same in Matthew, in Mark. It's a little different. It's it's addressed as a in the second person, right? You are my son, the beloved in whom I am well pleased. Um, But in Matthew, oh, no, this is the same as Matthew. This this matches Mark. So this matches Mark. It's Matthew that has... This is, this my, is son. my son. I think. Who knows? Maybe I'm remembering wrong. You are my son is Mark. And it's like Matthew is like a... It's an address to the crowd. That's right. This is my son whom I love. Yeah, that's Matthew. Now all Matthew, Mark, and Luke all have the the transfiguration scene. Where from a cloud, right. the, the voice from heaven comes and says, there it is, this is my son. Some have beloved, some have chosen. And then it says, listen to him. Listen, yeah. Right? Um, which clearly is a kind of callback, right, to the baptism. But uh, those all do the this is, right? Because it's clearly like that's not for Jesus. That's for them, right? For, for his disciples. Hence the listen to him part. Um, but here in, in Mark, and I 
didn't realize, Luke, I thought I, my memory had gotten jumbled. I thought only Mark had the UR, mm. but it looks like Mark and Luke have the UR. I don't know. It's just, it's just beautiful to picture, you know, the father, not just kind of informing the crowds and so informing us, you know, but speaking sweetly to mm. his son, Jesus saying, you are my beloved son and you, I am well pleased. I don't know. I just, I mean, I just love that so much. <laughs> I can hear, I could just, uh, camp out on those, you know, what, seven, eight, you know, nine, 10 words. Oh my goodness. That's just so powerful. I love that it's in the context of baptism, of course, but but also in Jesus' prayer. Jesus was baptized, and as he was praying, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended mm. on him in bodily form, like a dove. Right? There's this this communication is already ongoing. Jesus is praying, and he's mm. hearing the Father's words, the Father's words to him. Yeah, I think that's another Lucan insert, isn't it? The saying know. that he's praying during his baptism. Where are you looking? You looking at Matthew? Yeah, first. I'll, yeah, you I'll, look up. I'll look at Mark. I need to bring a synopsis to so we don't have to flippity flop. But maybe that's okay. <laughs> Most people don't have. Yeah, I mean synopses. But this is, how, this is how you get started. Yeah. Um, problem is, I don't know what we're going to be doing when we show up. <laughs> and I keep my synopsis at home, but uh, yeah. After being baptized, Jesus went up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were open. Et cetera, et cetera. No mention of prayer in Mark's gospel either. And those are two things that in in the little little bit of study I've done in Luke that I've noticed is a recurring thing that he slips in as a narrator is more references to Jesus praying and more references to the Spirit doing things, right? Hmm. Um, when you get a vibe where the like the 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 Luke and Matthew and Mark in a different way, you can tell that they I don't know. I don't know for sure, but you get a vibe that they're they're very reluctant to change the words of characters that have been handed on to them, but they're very free to tinker with the narrator voice, if that makes sense. Which makes sense. Like if you and I, if if like something happened to you and I, were out with friends, you know, uh, and some crazy thing happened where this guy came up and said something to you, and you punched him, or I don't know, this didn't happen, but you know. What I mean? It could and, happen. Yeah. <laughs> could, I could defend John's honor. Yeah, yeah, right. Right. But if we had like the specific line where he where you had this great comeback to him before he yeah, first yeah. punched you, right? Like okay, then you tell a story one way, I tell a story, and then I tell it to Alex today, a friend of ours, you know, and then he tells it to another friend, you know, and the, the story gets handed on. Like the one the comeback line, you're not gonna change the comeback line. Like that's the you're gonna keep telling it that part. Right, that extra little details are going to fall in and fall out, and the the way we put the story together is going to vary greatly. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, Luke has this very clear narrator's voice, and two really big things I keep noticing that he wants us to see is that Jesus was a man of prayer, and that even before Jesus was born and all throughout his life, the Spirit was at work doing all kinds of stuff, mm. right? Mm. And again, there's not a fundamental disagreement there with the the, all the gospel writers who have this very story of the spirit descending on Jesus. But it's like Luke reiterates that in a way that some of the others don't always draw as much attention to this. Just keep seeing the spirit, you know, showing up at work. And it seems to me that you might be suggesting, maybe you're not, but um, maybe I will, <laughs> that there's maybe a connection here, you know, between his prayer life um, and his reliance on the spirit, right? Yeah. That these are really, 
in a way, um, mm. two ways of saying the same thing, right? The God's work in us as spirit coincides with in some way, um, our human work of being in conversation with God, right? Mm. I mean, it's the spirit that empowers that prayer, but, and then it's also in turn, our way of responding to that spirit is to continue to be in prayer. So I don't know. I think there's something deeply, you know, uh, significant in, you know, paying attention to this connection between prayer and the spirit. I don't know. That's what, Hmm. while he was praying, I mean, that's just, yeah. Although it just suddenly dawned on me after saying all of that, that I was very excited about. I wonder if it's saying that it was John that was praying. Nope. Nope. It's I, good. The, I, the grammar works. It's yeah. clearly Jesus because they're, they're participles in the original. Okay. So it's – and Jesus having been baptized and being in prayer. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's kind of in a – sorry, that's an awkward way of talking, but <laughs> that's why we don't say it that way. But I suddenly was like – I was looking at the English and it says, and while he was praying, I'm like, oh, shoot. Maybe that's the <laughs> – no, no, it's, it's, it seems to be pretty clearly Jesus that's praying here. Yeah, I haven't, I don't have the Greek text in front of me. And, oh, but, but the, um, spare, you want to? <laughs> not that it would necessarily help me all that much. Sean calls my bluff. Not that I, I wasn't trying to bluff. But, I have an extra. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, but the, uh, the translation, as he was praying, the, um, heaven opened, the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit descended on him. So there seems to be, there's a, in, the, in that English translation, there's a connection of of um, who is praying and who the Spirit is yeah. descending upon. No, I think that translation captures it rightly. I think those are those are that kind of participle. I don't remember the name of it, but who cares? Um, yeah, it's definitely a, as he was being baptized. Yeah. Now, in all of this, I mean, I'm also just struck by the intensity of John the Baptist. Uh, right? He's not worthy to host this man in his house. Uh, this anticipation of, of judgment that he's going to bring, um, clearing the, the threshing hold and gathering wheat into the barn, burning the chaff with unquenchable fire. There's this, it's like this contrast of this intensity of John and then the serenity of the Holy Spirit like a dove. You know, there's, huh. and, and, um, um, Although interestingly, but, Jesus, John is saying that Jesus is going to be the one who's going to do this yeah, winnowing yeah. fork. But you're right; the yeah. vibe is very and, different. And he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Right? There's, there's, and I think there, those aren't in contrast. It's just the full complement of the Spirit's work of this, of this intensity work. Like the Jesus acting within the power of the Spirit is going to accomplish these things, and yet the serenity of as well of the dove, the Spirit descending like a dove. Um, I, I, I don't think it was this passage, but I preached one time on the Holy Spirit and I had an artist in the church, uh, do, a a painting while I was, while I was preaching. And it was this amazing picture that she, that she, uh, painted. It, it had, um, uh, a, a dove, um, in the midst of shattered chains. And wow. so like this, this, this beautiful image of strength and power shattering these chains, but with, with just gentleness and peace at the same time. Huh. And, and I've never forgotten that image as pulling together this work of the Holy spirit. Yeah. Um, and I think you get, that's faithful to this path, to this text 
and oh, the intensity wow. of John and the gentleness of the Spirit all wrapped up in in Jesus. Yeah, Jesus yeah. is the one where these seemingly impossible yeah. things come together into one. Well, that's a beautiful image and gets me in the mood to start talking about how we might preach this. So let's take a short break, and then when we come back, we're going to swap some possible sermon ideas and some see winkles. Where it goes. Some winkles. Yeah, bring that back. <laughs> Welcome back to Fresh Text. We are studying uh, the Gospel of Luke, uh, chapter 3, verses 15 through 22. And I'm here with uh, my co-host Aaron, and I'm John, and we just spent a little time just talking about the text, what we saw, playing with it, not really worrying about where it might go. But now we want to just kind of turn and ask, okay, where, if I wanted to start writing a sermon on this, if I, if this, if I was preaching this coming uh, Sunday, what, where would I go with this? What might, I, what might I do? Um, how might I, how might I uh, go with this? Or as uh, Aaron liked to hand on was the what was the phrase the what's your winkle of oh, the winkle yeah that, that <laughs> yeah your that preaching that corner your yeah. edge your yeah. angle yeah. Right? i think yeah. it was in in german your angle that you'd take to kind of run with it because again there's a lot of bunny trails but where where would you go uh i would i would have to go with this um i'd start at the end and i'd go back to the i'd go back to the start of this passage um when all the people were being baptized jesus was baptized too so he's he's identified with the people, and then he hears the voice of the Father. You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well mm-hmm. pleased. And that word to him, because he is with the people, is a word to the people. And take that back to uh, their their expectation. Um, mm-hmm. They were waiting expectantly, and there's so much that that sense of uh, what they are waiting for really is that voice of the Father, and. He has identified, um, they were all being baptized. He was baptized too. Here's these words. And in his, in those words, their expectant waiting is, is quenched, right? It's, mm. it's mad. I think that's, I think that's how I'd, how I'd go. They don't, they're not quite sure what they're waiting for. They know they're waiting expectantly for something. There's just anticipation and you don't, they don't know what it is they're waiting for until the very end when Jesus has come to be with them and has heard that word from the father to him that is then shared hmm. Oh man, that's really beautiful. And I, I could see how you could really, I, I really liked how you said they don't necessarily even know what they're waiting for, mm-hmm. you know, like the, cause it could be that what they liked about John is that he spoke so harshly, mm. you know, like the, they might've really felt that what they were waiting for was some fire and brimstone, you know? And it's like, yeah, that's true. But there's this, uh, this deeper reality of what the father has to say to the son and in and through him to them as well, you know, uh, you know, you're mine, mm. I'm yours. I am your God and you are my people. Right. And yeah, yeah sure. There's going to be, there's going to be some, you know, some fire and brimstone. There's going to be there's, there's some uh, reordering of the world that's out of, out of whack. Um, but I do that. I, I, I do that. I'm putting in the voice of God here. Like I do that for you because you're my elect people. Right. It's that, that, that reminding them of who they really are and assuring them of that in Jesus. Dude, that's really beautiful. I like the connecting of the the solidarity of Jesus with the word of the Father and then back to the expectation. Yeah, but that's that's a theme I've been wrestling with for a little bit too of of 
that of longing. So I've been reading a lot of C.S. Lewis, mm. and C.S. Lewis does so much with the sense of of longing and desire. And he says at one point in a book till we have faces, um, a character says, "When when I was happiest is when I longed the most." Hmm. And and I think that does. When I look around at the world, there's so much longing, and I I I see the I can pity those whose whose longing is too small mm. and they're too easily satisfied. And that's mm. another C.S. Lewis quote, right? That we're sure. we're uh, we're too easily satisfied. Um, but I think about this, this people who are drawn to John, drawn to this passion, mm. drawn to this strength. And it's like, they can't even quite articulate what, what that is. I mean, I mean, and, and maybe Luke kind of inserts that, that ambiguity in the text. Cause they're wondering, well, is John, is John the Christ, right? Is this, is this mm. the Christ? So there's some ambiguity in, in who it's they're longing for. And maybe that's reflective of what they're longing for. But I think that, that deepest longing really is the affirmation of the father of love and being love, being loved, being cherished, being valued, being drawn into the presence of, of God. I think that is the deepest longing that we, that we have that God graciously gives to us. Thank God he gives it to us. Cause if he didn't give us that longing, it would be a, a hollow life. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what I would, that's, that's some of my own experience yeah, coming no, in when I've been okay. reading, what I've been reading so much with? Lewis lately, but, um, but that sense of longing, I think, is one I tried key on. But yeah, and the, the story could really start with the longing. The, the sermon could, yeah. you know, like you really may end up, you know, I could see a sermon that really explores the, you know, what, you know, what are the deep longings of your heart? What do you long for? You know, mm-hmm. and then talking about the affirmation of God, um, the word of God spoken to you, telling you who you truly are. That's actually what satisfies the longing, even though it doesn't immediately satisfy all the requests that are conscious. Yeah. It satisfies the deeper need yeah. versus the felt need and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And and the word of God to us being the word of God that was to Christ. Uh-huh. Right. And that and you could you can I mean you could make a beautiful teaching out of that of being in Christ. Yeah. Being in Christ and the word of God to Christ is the word of God to us when we are in Christ. That would be a Yeah. You could have some really good teaching on Yeah, that. that's that's my winkle. That's where yeah. I was going in my head. Was. I stole it from you. No, I, if it's if it's uh, if it's true, it can't be private property, right? Uh, <laughs> truth is a public uh, public mm. commodity. Uh, but yeah, it's it's. But I, so I had that thought, but I didn't have this insight except from your comment about twenty one. Now it came about when all were being baptized. Yeah. Jesus was also baptized. So I actually have. I mean. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll say that later, but I have a sermon I've preached before on Mark 1, the baptism scene there. That's part of what I earlier said. Well, I know it's not in Mark because I know that story because that's one I've, you know, just internalized from preaching it. I, I've done that sermon quite a few times and and it's, uh, I mean, the, the theme is, you know, the world blesses after, but God blesses before. That's the hook mm. of that sermon. And thanks for the, the mm, that made me feel good. But, uh, <laughs> But uh, but you know the sorry. Really, this this whole podcast is really just like mutual. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, I mean, everybody's just kind of listening in as as. uh, Oh, there's people listening. Oh, I'm just here for Aaron's affirmation. Maybe, yeah. Uh, I spent it's let me spend an hour a week trying to get Aaron to go. "Mm." (laughs) (laughs) But uh, but yeah, so the world blesses after, but God blesses before, and it's just kind of built around the idea of that when the Father says this to Jesus, especially in Mark, since it starts with the baptism. Jesus hasn't done anything yet, 
right? So just this picture of God saying, you are my son. I am already pleased with you. And I have sub points and stuff like that. Okay. Now, again, that's a sermon, although this is the little sort of, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, advice from uncle John kind of moment, you know, where I'm kind of like, it's okay to dust off an old sermon and tinker with it a little bit, make it fresh, you know? And like, I mean, I could totally see if I was coming up on this, I'd be like, you know, I, I was, I, I've been filling in actually at a church for a little while, uh, this advent and, um, cause we're recording this in advance, you know, sorry, this isn't live, live to tape, as you said, <laughs> live to tape. Um, you know, and, and I'm using some old sermons that I had sitting around cause it's a new audience. Right. But I mean, every week they've like the first week, it was pretty much just what I already had down the second week, maybe with a little more flair. And third week was like barely followed my, mm. you know, sermon plan yeah, yeah. because I was starting to get to know them yeah. more, but I still, the basic sort of exegetical grounding was the same and the basic themes were yeah. the same, but they were taking on a new life yeah. um, in, in the context with the people. And I say that to say like, this idea of, cause then in that sermon that I have, like God bless, you know, the world blessed after God blessed before, like the turn at the end, I, I just talk about Jesus the whole time at the end. Then I say, and everything God, the father says to Jesus, he says to you because we are in Christ. And I share a little fact from uh, someone told me one time that they, they did like a study of the frequency of words in Paul's letters mm. and sure. the, 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 the most com- the fourth most common. So the first, the top three were, I believe, uh, the and and God or something like that. Right. And then, but then the fourth most common word, 732 times the word in appears. And a vast majority of those are either us in Christ or Christ in us. Right. Um, but of course, in order to make that point, I had to go over to that Pauline fact in order to make it work in Mark. Yeah. And I feel like here I could make that whole yeah. point very differently. Yeah. So again, it'd be this quote, 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 uh, the same sermon, but totally different because by really just noticing him, even really painting the picture, he's in the water. Maybe other people are around him stepping on his toes. Do you know what I mean? We tend to picture it as like everyone's yeah. gathered around and it's just him in the, yeah. you know, the river and it's this holy moment. Okay. Yeah, sure. But it's also him in solidarity with the people yep. it, just up in their same space with them, sharing the water with them. The same water that they were baptized in yeah. is the water um, in which he is baptized and so the word that is to him in a different way transfers over to them insofar as they are in him. So I, I just think that's a beautiful thought that you kind of ended on. It was a piece of your sermon. It was kind of like, I would take that as kind of my, yeah. my winkle. If your winkle is the, the, the longing yeah. and how that's satisfied, I think my longing at my winkle might have something to do with, yeah. uh, union with Christ or something like that, but they would end up saying the same thing, yeah. but, you know? goes to show that like this the same gospel can be preached uh you know thousands of different ways but any thoughts you're grinning no just picturing that trying to enter that scene and and yeah. the crowds down and the 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 bustling and and they're there for a purpose and they're there because they don't have anything else better to do and and Jesus is just is in that milieu right and and uh there is like there's there's jostling there's bumping there's you know there's a whole bunch of people in in and around the scene and John is like the central figure uh from it cuz they've gone out to hear him right like they'll they'll go on to say like like how why did you go did you go out to see a, weed, a reed sway by the wind no you went to see you know 
this this forceful figure and and Jesus in this simplicity of prayer mm-hmm. being the one that the dove comes and and lights on I mean it's it's somewhat it's it's different but I'm I'm kind of wondering is there is there a connection between the the annunciation to Mary right who is chosen for no reason mm. and and here you've got one like she she's chosen so to speak from the crowd I mean she's by herself but here we've got one who's chosen because he because of who he is right because of mm-hmm. all this backstory that we have from Luke but he's still he's still chosen from the crowd so yeah to speak. like he's still yeah. in the crowd and chosen from that anyways there's maybe uh, ways that you could and interestingly just to riff off that I mean and it might not work in this sermon but in Luke's version of the transfiguration he the language is this is my son the chosen one mm-hmm. this is my chosen son uh the others it matches in luke it's it's a different language but i say that i have to say that beloved son chosen son in the in the uh in kind of hebrew bible old testament lingo those are the same word yeah. but that's the same concept yeah the beloved son chosen son same thing do you know what i mean um so Wow, that's uh, this is exciting stuff. Well, uh, I think uh, we should wrap it up, don't you think? So let me say uh, say a prayer and then uh, um, say our goodbyes. So let us pray. God of grace and glory, you call us with the voice of flame to be your people, faithful and courageous. As your beloved son embraced his mission in the waters of baptism, Inspire us with the fire of your spirit to join in his transforming work. We ask this in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. All right. Got anything to plug? Anything coming up in January? Anything podcasts or writings coming out? Are you traveling and speaking anywhere? This is a chance to... To plug, you know, we we just got back from uh, doing some video and some podcasting with uh, Dr. John and Vera Mae Perkins Foundation, and had a great conversation with John Perkins at IHOP. I mean, what a once in a lifetime opportunity, right? To to talk with him about about that, and I'd encourage listeners just to kind of keep your ears peeled for that. It's a really unique podcast because of of the way that that Dr. Perkins engages with the biblical text which is is different from my training and and he he was we're conversing about it and he said he says uh, I'm a philosopher he's like as I understand philosophy I'm a I'm a philosopher and so he'll he'll take a question he'll take a conversation and just and just run with it and that's emerging of these this experience that he's had and and the call of God in his life and how he's been uh growing growing up um in in poverty and Keep your ears peeled for it. It's it's a really good podcast, and I also got a chance to interview his daughter Elizabeth, and and really interesting to talk to her about second generation leadership and what does it mean to to take up the mantle huh. of of really heroic people. Her mom yeah. and dad being really heroic people, and then see this organization, this foundation, into a new day with new vision and fresh insight and fresh mission. And uh, I think both of those are pretty interesting episodes. They'll they'll launch sometime in January. Great, great. That'll be on the Wesley Seminary podcast, right? Okay, yeah. awesome. Great, yeah, and I think uh, the Wesleyan Church has a big pastors gathering going on in January. We might be doing some look, some podcasting there, look and us a lot up. of yeah, stuff find there. Us, and, find us yeah, there. we'll see you there in person. So yeah. if anyone's listening along from that, all right. Well, thanks. Uh, have a good preach.